0: This is Lisa, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at ILTM Podcast. We're also on Instagram at I Love That Movie Podcast. We're on Facebook, and you can also support us on Patreon. Uh, That's www.patreon.com slash I Love That Movie. This show is always free, but if you want to throw a couple dollars our way to support the show and keep it running, you can. And I do want to take a quick moment to thank my top patrons, and they are Chris Balga, Jeff Widman, Michael Cross, and Philip Barker. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. I really appreciate you. And when you do sign up, you get an extra bonus episode of my weekly ramblings about all the new shows that are coming out. For instance, right now I'm talking uh, Umbrella Academy, uh, just wrapped up Stargirl. In fact, I'm going to have to add extra stuff to my slate because all my favorite shows have ended. But don't worry, there will be more content on there. And you only donate about a dollar or more and and you get that bonus episode. Uh, We've also got a Discord group, a Facebook group, and I've recently started doing an after party. So if you do like this episode, you can also join me on Friday live, uh, the Friday following this episode's release. Um, and we will talk about this movie again and we basically all just hang out and chat and discuss you know how we feel about the episode anything i might have missed favorite scenes things like that so if you really enjoyed this episode and you want to keep talking about Days and confused please uh see that link in our show notes um and i think i'm done plugging <laughs> we've got a website too if you guys ever need to check out our website i love that movie, and as always guys Uh, if you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate us. It does help new listeners find the show. Well, I've got a returning guest on the show. Uh, he is active in our Facebook group. Uh, he's been on the show and he's one of my friends. Uh, say hi, John. Hello
1: everyone. John Rogers here.
0: And John, uh, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit in case this is our guest's first time hearing you on the show
1: okay well i'm here because i love that movie (laughs) Uh, yeah that is the most apt uh, title you could ever pick for a podcast of this kind uh i'm for those of you who follow us on facebook i'm the guy who posts all the turner classic movie alerts and things that uh, happen on there I'm, i'm a big lover of older movies uh but i i like uh contemporary stuff as well i'm a retired school teacher and um uh, sometime community theater person whenever that's going on which we're kind of not right now and uh, and i was honored and and had a wonderful time being on the i love that movie episode where we discussed to kill a mockingbird a few years ago and i really really glad to be back with you tonight
0: well, John, uh yeah, you have fans in the group for sure. I know Scott's always like, "I love the Turner Classic Movie Updates." So, you're very much appreciated in there. And you're always adding new people to the group too, so I appreciate that as well. And I've seen your plays. Well, I've seen one of them. Uh one that you directed uh last year um and hopefully that'll get up and running again. They're usually in Denton, right?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm uh I live in North Denton County. I'm uh, a regular if you will, at, uh, what is now called theater, Denton, uh, Denton community theater and D- music theater of Denton merged uh, a couple of months ago. And it's now known as theater Denton. And I've also done some things at uh, lakeside community theater in the colony. And, um, last, uh, last fall, I was in August Osage County at the theater of North Texas and South Lake. But unfortunately that theater, uh, Ceased operation not too long after that, but yeah. uh, But it was a. If I can brag a little bit, it was profitable for uh, some of us in the cast and crew on that. Uh, Myself and uh, uh, Jenny Tucker won the column awards for best actor and best actress in a in an equity play. Uh, Last month, I think it was, and our director and. producer i think they won best play and best set design so you know we we brought home a little bit of hardware um uh, and uh i've done uh, used to be a regular down at duncanville community theater before we moved up here and uh, it's uh, my my other hobby
0: well that's great thank you so much um and I know we've in the past, we've even volunteered together <laughs> in costume because yes. you have a great Superman costume, too.
1: <laughs> Not <laughs> lately. I've uh, I've got some pandemic pounds. It'll be a while before I can play Superman again.
0: <laughs> I think we've all got that problem right now. So you're in good company. Um, so, John, you know, um, our guest always chooses the movie and you chose the movie last time. You chose a different kind of movie this time. What movie did you choose today?
1: I chose Dazed and Confused, directed by Richard Linklater, and uh, it's just, well, there we go with the title again. I love that movie.
0: You have been talking about this for a while, too. This has been in the (laughs) works between the two of us. You're like, Lisa, when are we doing that episode? And I realized that the other day. I was like, oh my gosh, we need to do it right now. (laughs) You can't wait anymore.
1: Yes, this movie is just a lot of fun very nostalgic for me because it's set during the it's set in the mid-70s in fact it's set on the last day of school in 1976 I graduated from high school in 75 I've shared with you the story before that in 73 when American Graffiti came out my buddies and i uh Watched that and loved it, but I said, you know, I'm going to wait 20 years. I'm going to become a filmmaker, and I'm going to remake American Graffiti, but have it be about us. And uh, Link later beat me to it. I never became a filmmaker anyway. My uh, directing <laughs> career went another path. So, uh, 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 but uh, yeah, it. Uh, when I first saw this movie, I'm like, whoa, this is this is exactly what i had in mind when i said that so many years ago
0: um yeah i think that just speaks to the strength of your idea right i mean i think that a lot of people saw american graffiti and they had that same thought like hey we could do this with you know different eras with the 70s um you know i would love to see one set in the 80s and 90s i think there's something about american graffiti and this film um, you know, I think it was kind of called a the inverse of a John Hughes movie. I think that was yeah. Richard Link, Linklater uh, Linklater's intent, and it it is very much that it it feels like what high school was actually like versus it was what, it was
1: exactly like this movie,
0: <laughs> right? And, and and in a way that's like there's no there's no real like drama in this movie. There's no seriousness. I think we've fallen into like two camps with teen movies, right? Like either they're incredibly serious and dramatic and kind of depressing or they're, you know, John Hughes, extremely happy, a little more Hollywood, a little bit higher production. This is like a much smaller story, a much, um, I don't want to say personal because I guess it's not really that personal, but it's just like a slice of life. This is, is what it is. There's not really an end game here. You're just looking at, what it's like the last day of school and there's just something super charming and relatable about that that you know no matter when you see it it's got like just a pool of its own that I kind of wish we had more teen films like this if I'm honest
1: yeah a lot of people point to Fast Times at Ridgemont High as being this movie for the 80s but I disagree Um, this movie as you said Slice of Life this movie is Everything in it happens during one 24-hour period, where Fast Times covers pretty much the whole school year. Um, like Fast Times, there's a lot of vignettes. There's very little uh, linear, well, it is linear, but uh, very little uh, plot. is Right. And um, it's very episodic. You're following different groups of kids around and, and seeing how they interact and uh, the things that they're into and it's not just one person you know while it is a coming of age story it's not a one person coming to some cosmic realization about the meaning of life is just kids in 1976 getting ready to go buy Aerosmith tickets
0: something I was thinking about last night when Nick and I were watching it and he, and he actually brought it up that you know there's something about just like riding around in a car with your friends that's like a huge part of high school like not necessarily what they go to do but just that a lot of being in the car it's late at night it's like that thing of you don't have a lot of money you don't have a lot of places to be you can't publicly party anywhere so there's just a lot of in between in the car time do you agree oh
1: oh yeah and also, this was before the big oil crisis. It was a big part of our lives. Gas was, when I first started, uh, when I got my first car, gas was only 49 cents a gallon. Of course, minimum wage was only like a dollar and a half or something, but uh, um, but it didn't take a whole lot to fill up your cat, uh, car with gas and, and just go riding around. And uh, uh, Video games weren't a thing yet. That was still a little down the road. Uh, so yeah we would hang out uh and ride around in the cars play the, the radio on our favorite station playing all that wonderful music i hope we're going to talk about the soundtrack of this thing because it's amazing um and um just be uh and that, that was a, a big feature of american graffiti too the the cruising uh in my case uh where i grew up we had a a jack-in-a-box, and across the street from the jack-in-a-box was a two-lane parking lot behind uh, a sort of a strip of, of shops, and we would just ride around and around that parking lot until you saw somebody you maybe wanted to talk to, and you'd pull in and park and, you know, uh, talk, maybe pass something between each other or whatever, and, and, um, and the law enforcement in our town kind of like that because they knew where we all were and uh, and uh, we had pretty I, I think they were pretty cool uh, uh, law enforcement in, in our little town I won't say exactly what town it is but uh, uh, they knew we were there and they knew what was going on and they you know unless something uh, major happened which Rarely, if ever, did. And they pretty much left us alone because we weren't causing any trouble and we weren't hurting anybody. And, uh, again, we're just, and there wasn't much else to do. There was, you know, the -the jack-in-the-box, there was a drive-in movie theater and parks, and that was about all.
0: So, it occurs to me, there's one thing you're not saying that I think is different for, like, me in high school, and I think maybe why the culture shifted you're not talking about a mall and i think i think that things move from cruising around in the car to going to the mall and maybe that's why movies after that were a little bit different you know when you when all that all that time got replaced with you know my parents just dropping me off at a mall and being like i'll see you later and we'd all kind of hang out there but we didn't drive around quite as much. I still remember driving around, though, again, because you just didn't have a lot of money. So I'd, I'd be at the mall for a while, but I didn't really have any money to spend. I'd go to the arcade for right. a little bit. And after a while, I was like, all right, right, I've there's nothing else to do here. <laughs> and yeah, that's well, something in that the you se- an ad- oh, In oh, the ahead.
1: middle 70s, the malls were just starting to spring up. And yeah. uh, uh, they were brand new. Uh, in fact, I had a paper out a year or two before that. And I remember I had to uh the paper was very fat this one uh sunday because they had the insert the rotogravure insert for the new mall that opened up in our town
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, uh, so yeah that was all about that malls malls were a new thing they had not taken over the teen culture yet.
0: Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. that and that's why later like in in a lot of 80s movies the malls like at the center stage of uh, of those movies because that's where kids went. Um, and it's something that I kind of miss about being young. Like Nick and I were talking about that yesterday. There's not a whole lot of driving around anymore. You know, I mean, there's definitely not now because of what's happening, but you know, we, we don't often just get in the car and drive. And when I was younger, we did that a lot. So, I mean, it's just, there's just a lot of little things like that, that, you know, things that you don't think you're going to miss when you get older, but you really do. Um, I kind of got a little bit ahead of the game here, and I just couldn't help it because we were reminiscing and I was caught up in the moment. But I should also read the description (laughs) of the movie.
1: So (laughs) this came out in...
0: uh... Oh, go ahead.
1: By all means, let's follow your usual
0: format. I never do. (laughs) I'm all (laughs) over the place. But uh, this came out in 1993. um, And as always, guys, there's not really any spoilers to this movie because, again, it's really just... night of hanging out i highly recommend that you go watch this first um because if there is something you're worried about being spoiled we're definitely going to talk about it but uh, let me go ahead and read the description really quick uh this coming of age film follows the mayhem of a group of rowdy teenagers in austin texas celebrating the last day of high school in 1976 the graduating class heads a popular pool hall and joins an impromptu keg party however star football player randall pink floyd has promised to focus on the championship game and abstain from partying. Meanwhile, the incoming freshmen try to avoid being hazed by the seniors, most notably the sadistic bully Fred O'Banion. And that's it. <laughs> There's not a ton of plot, and that is okay. That I can't wait to dive into like all the different things that are in this movie and things that have changed. I absolutely love that it's uh, based in Austin, Texas, and I have to think that's because the writer-director grew up in Houston, right?
1: Right. Uh, Richard Linklater is a Texan, and and if you know me, you know that uh, occasionally I do a a Texas author poetry reading thing uh, ever since the pandemic started. Uh, I have a special place Well, on The Mockingbird, podcast i pointed out that the screenwriter for that was horton foot a texas writer uh but yes linklater is from texas and i think that's one of the reasons why it spoke to me because suburban austin looks a lot like suburban dallas fort worth did back then uh we had a pool hall that we hung out where we hung out uh uh, a plot point um uh, it's set in 76. There was a statue of the, uh, the five player and the drummer from the, the famous painting spirit of, of 76 in the film that the kids steal. And one of the kids paints their faces to look like kiss. Yeah. And that is very similar to a prank that was pulled quite often in my town where the, Big boy from in front of Kip's Big Boy restaurant would get stolen for a senior prank and placed on top of the high school. Uh, the cars in this film are dead on. Uh, in fact, there's a discussion between two of the characters about what all's under the hood. That was a big thing among some of the uh, kids in my generation. Was you know how. Uh, powerful they can make their cars and, and uh, that sort of thing um, the soundtrack uh, I'm sure you got in your notes that one sixth of this film's budget was spent on gathering the music that they wanted uh, that Linklater wanted to be playing just as in American Graffiti uh, had all that great mm-hmm. music from the late 50s and early 60s this one had definitely uh, is uh, classic rock true and true in fact it's always been a contention of mine you can take the the two soundtrack discs from cds from this movie the forrest gump soundtrack and the night's tale soundtrack and you could pretty well program a classic rock radio station with just those four or five cds there yeah um
0: yeah, I did have written down that uh, that it was one-sixth of the budget. And that's not surprising. There's a lot of great music in there. And also, when you were talking earlier about Austin being similar to Texas, I think you know there's a perception about what Texas is like. Um, and that's, a, a, I think, a more modern take of where we're at now. But I think the Austin and the Dallas of the 70s was very different from what we have today. I think it was a lot more... Like a lot more, you know, liberal (laughs) to put it lightly. I mean, you know, more hippie culture, more, um, you know, this is where, you know, KERA started. This is where uh, NPR started. I mean, I think people kind of forget that Dallas used to be so different, like the landscape was different, the culture was different. And so I think people today might see this movie and they realize it's in austin and they were they would be like that's weird you know my perception of of texas is just very you know conservative a little more traditional uh maybe more western but yeah there's not a single
1: pair of cowboy boots inside in this thing
0: right it's like i think that that speaks to you know and i'm not trying to to you know Pigeonhole or leave anybody out politically or anything like that. When I say that, but I'm I'm just saying literally, it is different from I think what is perceived and because what we perceive is what Dallas today is more like. You know, you do see more cowboy hats these days, and you do see more of this kind of like not debutante, but you know what I mean, like upper class, like schmoozy culture in Dallas. So I think things have just changed so much from what they used to be in the '70s that Mm -hmm. I think younger people today might watch dazed and confused and they probably pop it in assuming it's going to be about LA and then realize oh this is in Texas that's really unique and like you said there's no cowboy boots not really any accents Um
1: right uh, that's yeah. something I always point out except for Matthew McConaughey and the gentleman right. who played the coach uh, you couldn't tell where these kids were from mm-hmm. and and then my role as an educator uh, you know I obviously have a Texas accent that sometimes I have to hide when I play a role. Uh, my father had a very distinct Texas accent, and you couldn't even have understood my grandfather. Where my son, I, I i dare say that people, if you heard him talk right now, you wouldn't be able to tell for sure where he comes from. So with each generation, the stereotypical Texas accent gets less and less. And I do have to. Uh, commend link later for not trying to uh, shoehorn stereotypical texas things in this even though this is filmed in the same city and one or two of the same locations as urban cowboy of all things
0: wow i did not know that
1: yeah urban cowboy was filmed in and around austin and i think i think you see top-notch burgers uh in uh in Urban Cowboy. I know you see it in, in, in one other movie. Uh, I may have me confused as to which other one it is, but yeah, your Urban Cowboy is more like the Texas that you were describing that most people are used to. <laughs> yeah. I,
0: yeah, I've noticed that when, um, I don't know, just talking to people, they're like, oh, you're from Dallas. I wouldn't have thought that, you know, and I think it's just, you know, they think of like the show Dallas and an urban wow. cowboy. And yeah, this is definitely a little bit different from that. But I mean, I think, you know, Link Linklater was telling his truth. I mean, he's not going to portray something that he didn't experience. So he's portraying Austin as he experienced it. And I think kind of like you're saying, I think maybe it's a little more varied, uh, here than you would think it is on the outside I think what you're talking about about accents it's like I don't really have a I mean I do slip into a Texas accent but it's not as pronounced uh, as, as some but then other people in my life some do some don't it's just kind of yeah it's, that's just how Dallas is um but yeah, that you, we actually wove in all my quick facts already. So that perfectly, we just, they, they organically came up in the conversation. So I think the next thing I want to do is maybe just tackle some of your favorite scenes. And then we'll kind of talk about the actors in them that way too.
1: Okay. Um, favorite scenes. It's kind of hard to have a <laughs> almost favorite movie and have any one favorite scene. I'll, let me start with the favorite character.
0: Sure. And that's <laughs>
1: Anthony Rapp's character, Tony
0: i was shocked that was him i was like oh my gosh that's anthony rapp i couldn't believe it
1: Uh, well let's talk for a minute there were so many careers that began in this movie Mm -hmm. some of which went on to wonderful things like uh matthew McConaughey. we mentioned him earlier um mila jovovich was in it i probably just mangled her name uh anthony rapp um Hauser, he's currently on Yellowstone.
0: Oh, that's a really popular show.
1: Yes, it is. Parker Posey. Yeah. And Renee Zellweger had a bit part in it um, just three years before she did uh, the the Tom Cruise movie.
0: Oh uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I thought I saw her, and then I was like, "Was that her?"
1: Yeah, um, it was her. She's known as Girl in Blue Truck, uh, and most <laughs> of the later scenes, like around the Emporium, the pool hall, she's the girl in the red and blue uh, striped top. But uh, I don't think she has any lines. So yeah, there's there's actors like that who went on to careers that we all know about. But then there's actors that should have that kind of didn't like Jason London, who you mentioned as uh, in the synopsis as being the star quarterback guy. Uh, he, he has star quality written all about him in this movie, but his career never really took off. I mean, he's worked steadily, but uh, he never became a major star. Who <laughs> was Anthony Rapp's friend, Mike, in this? Uh, I know I've seen him in things like Saving Private Ryan, and he was on Friends
0: he was also the hebrew hammer
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> forgot about that that's
0: how that's how we recognized him because we kept like nick and i just kept looking at him and then nick all of a sudden was like do you know who that is and i'm like who and he's like the hebrew hammer and i was like well obviously it is like when i you know but he's just so young
1: <laughs> sure sure uh Uh, Wiley Wiggins, who played Mitch, who was sort of the main kid of the younger kids, who was uh, uh, the baseball pitcher that I mentioned to you earlier. I think we weren't on yet when we talked about this. Uh, Yeah, let me just say the first time I saw this movie, I didn't see it in the theater. Uh, Oh,
0: okay.
1: I was it came out during what I call my dark period because it was before I became a teacher. I was a retail manager and I was working deep nights for a supermarket chain. And I would flip on the TV in the early afternoon to uh, what was my bedtime. And I was flipping the channels and I came across uh, this movie. And uh, as you know, I love baseball movies and that was the scene where Mitch is pitching in the game i said oh okay we got a movie here about kids playing baseball maybe it's like the sandlot or something i, I had no idea what it was and so i stayed with it and i went whoa <laughs> this is my high school story here and uh, uh so that's why i stayed with it that first time and, and i've seen it innumerable times since. okay back to anthony Rapp's character tony uh, when we first meet him uh uh Pink calls him uh, John Boy, and he seems to be sort of a scholarly type, uh, and uh, they called me John Boy when I was in high school, because that's when the Waltons was on. John Boy Walton was an aspiring writer, and so there's that connection and uh, he just seems to be a little bit more intellectual not super popular but not an outcast either Uh, that's pretty much describes me in in those days so I really identify with that character
0: well I'm so glad you explained that because I, I wasn't sure what the John boy references. I think that was a little before my time. So I, I like that <laughs> explanation, but um, I was thinking about this movie last night. I'm like, I wonder who John's going to say reminds him of himself the most. Um, so I think that's really cool. I, I, I agree with you. I think for me, I kind of identify, Oh, I forgot to say too. I, I had not seen this movie before. Okay. So this was like the, my first time and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I'm not sure the actor's name, but the really young guy that has kind of like the shoulder-length hair, kind of lanky, um, the one that gets like hazed the most.
1: Okay, that's that's Wiley Wiggins, Mitch. He he's uh, Jody, the girl that Pink winds up making out with at the beer party. Uh, that character's her little brother. When the boys are getting ready to go out and start hazing, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, she says, take it easy on my little brother. Oh, uh, you mean Mitch Kramer? Yeah, yeah, take it easy. He's kind of little, you know. He, he was the kid in the, in the baseball scene. He was the pitcher, and that's what drew me into the movie. Uh, so I think we're talking about the same kid. Yeah. Touched his face a lot. did you notice that mannerism he had
0: he reminded me a lot of joseph gordon levitt in third rock from the sun like i have to think that when they made that show they were like there's this one character in Days and confused and i want you to mimic this guy (laughs) like he even looks like him same haircut everything it's really interesting but
1: i can see that wiley wiggins uh another actor who did a fine job in this but really didn't get into uh acting as a profession he wound up working uh as a designer or something for apple computers i believe i can look that up oh wow uh, yeah uh so uh uh, again that's funny how life well of course again a lot of these kids were kids when they made the movie a lot of the Actors were a little bit older playing kids, especially the, the upperclassmen.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You can, you can tell like, you know, characters like Ben Affleck's character and and some of the older senior girls, um, but yeah, I, was, I just thought it was funny. Like when I was watching this movie, I was kind of thinking, who do I identify with? And I don't really identify with any of the girl characters. I didn't quite fit into any of those categories. And I told Nick, I said, I think I'm the kid with that ad- giant Adidas sweatshirt on. I don't know what was going on in the early <laughs> 90s. But when I was in middle school, I wore a lot of, you know, baggy Adidas t-shirts, a lot of baggy jeans Um So I was like, I think I looked more like this kid than any of the girls. And I was definitely small, you know, I'm five foot one. So I and I was always getting picked on for looking younger. So I just he was the character I gravitated towards the most. Yeah.
1: And you touched on something there, the fashions, the clothes were right. Again, all the details to this are just so dead on the the girls wearing big bell bottoms and i think there's a scene where you see a girl wearing jeans so tight they had to use a pair of pliers to zip them up for her
0: <laughs> yeah i loved that scene that is too real for sure <laughs> like we all remember like trying to fit into clothes that we didn't but it's fashion you had to do it and also same thing like when i was in middle school for some reason the 70s were just coming back really big i had you know there was like a lot of um, you know, the flowers, I I had bell-bottom jeans, and I remember my dad being like, why are you dressing like this? You know, my mother was the one that always bought my clothes, so she was aware of what I was buying, but I'd come home, and my dad's like, how come you're wearing bell-bottom jeans, and you're wearing this, and wearing?" he's like, that's what I wore in high school, Mm -hmm. and I was like, whatever, dad, you know, but, and then right (laughs) after that, that's when we get into, like, the grunge era, but it's kind of interesting to see that on film, because I think, it's almost like the later 90s really drew upon the style of the 70s way more than the 80s. You know, it's almost like they were like, right. goodbye, 80s, we are rejecting you, we're going to go back to the 70s. Uh, that was more real. And also the fact that just like you're saying, it's it's more of a realistic version of what the fashion was like, and not like, you know, Saturday night fever or something.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, back then, my buddies Now we wore blue jeans and um, various different kinds of, of shirts, uh, and which you, you see all of them in there. Sometimes it was just a pocket T-shirt. Sometimes it was a, a shirt with big puffy sleeves like pink wears in the later part of the movie. Uh, big big collars, all of that. And again, not a single pair of cowboy boots do you see in this movie, and uh, very few of us were uh, cowboy gear. Uh, you mentioned Ben Affleck. This is one of Ben Affleck's first roles. And when I saw it, I didn't even recognize him. You know, I knew him from Goodwill Hunting and uh, the later things. He's very identified with Boston. So it's kind of strange to see him in this movie set in Texas. Although, like you said, there's nothing that really says it's Texas per se, except that uh, uh, it could be suburban. City anywhere. Uh but yeah. It, uh interesting to see Ben Affleck uh with his curly hair hanging down in his face and being the most sadistic of the hazers. Let me talk about hazing for just a minute. Yeah. it seems and it it seems to be very cruel and it was and it was there and that's why it's included. Uh, Since then, people have gotten better sense and passed some laws. Uh, Occasionally, you will hear uh, a news thing where some hazing incident goes terribly wrong. And uh, and for those who haven't seen the movie, the hazing here is that the upperclassmen would grab uh, the incoming freshmen and paddle them with wooden paddles. Uh, Paddling was, was a thing that was used for corporal punishment all through my school life. And I <laughs> had to have a discussion with the Board of Education like twice in my whole uh, school career. Uh, so yeah, the paddles that you see the boys making and using in this are very much like the ones that the assistant principals and coaches used uh, to maintain discipline. Uh, but uh, in my school at the hazing and my school was uh, high school it was uh, while I was there was just... Uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th, the freshmen were still down at junior high. So it was the incoming sophomores that bore the brunt of the hazing. And it would mainly uh, focus on football boys, uh, the incoming athletes. And uh, uh, when football practice would get started in late okay. summer, the upperclassmen would grab a sophomore Player and cut his hair so that the only way to fix it was to go get it buzzed all the way off it was called clipping uh, so uh, that was the uh, suburban Dallas Fort Worth version of hazing that was going on uh, in my experience
0: well yeah I was going to bring that up because uh, I was wondering so hazing You know, in in modern day, we associate that with college and not with high school. Um, And by the time I went to high school, there was no hazing, at least at my high school. Um, So that was kind of interesting to see. You know, now when you see hazing, it, it tends to be at the college level. And it Mm -hmm. tends to be associated just with like sororities or fraternities. So it it seems like it really evolved from affecting everybody to only certain specific groups. I thought, just thought that was interesting.
1: Right. And I don't recall, maybe, uh, maybe one of my friends, if they hear this can address this, but I don't recall there being girl hazing uh, at my school and maybe it happened elsewhere. And it is depicted here where the, the, Freshman girls are humiliated. And you got to love the way Jody, uh, Michelle Burke's character, Jody, takes the little girl, Sabrina, under her wing, just <laughs> as uh, Randy Pink Floyd takes uh, Jody's little brother, uh, Mitch, kind of under his wing. Yeah, they make them go through the hazing, but they go easy on them. And uh, then uh, Pink tells uh, Mitch, say hey we're going to be riding around later you want to come go with us and mitch was like what you know you guys just busted my butt with this paddle and he said no no it'll show you're cool if you kind of laugh it off and 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 uh, it'll be a, a good way to uh, establish himself among the group and so he does and um uh, uh, Mitch has a good time the rest of the night, hanging out with his new friends. Some of the ones he's just busted his butt with a paddle earlier in the film.
0: Yeah, I would say, I would say outside of this, there's always a little bit of tension between like the seniors and the freshmen. Like that's kind of a common thing that I think still happens today. Um, and you know, who wouldn't want the cool older kid to take an interest in you? and you know like you said in, incorporate you into the group and give you a heads up and i think we all kind of wish we could go back in time and help our younger selves and so that that kind of fulfills a fantasy on right. both ends right
1: yeah it does uh when i was a senior um my little brother was a freshman and that was the year that they did bring freshmen up to our high school so uh he would ride with me to school and we would have a blast in the morning uh singing along with the radio and, and whatever, and then we get to school, and I'd be like, "Dude, I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear you. If you pass me in the hallway, do not acknowledge me." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then when we'd ride home in the evening, we'd crank up the radio and, and have a good time again. So yeah, the, there is a, a division between the upperclassmen and the lower classmen, But here it's, it's summer vacation, and uh, in this film, and uh, so those lines blur. Uh, especially once some of the underclassmen like Sabrina and like Mitch uh, show that, uh, you know, they belong.
0: Yeah. I also noticed too that, you know, there's a similar tension, like the, the, the high school seniors are so mean to the, you know, the younger guys and, um, but then there's that same tension and that same, like kind of dominance and like kind of putting down a little bit with their coach and you know what i mean like with their authority figures with the people that are older than them and it's funny seeing that like you know the way that they act around those kids and then the way they have to turn around and act around the adults and i kind of liked that 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 both those scenes are in there
1: but there's some really cool adult characters too like the guy uh, the convenience store man uh he knows that that kid is underage and he sells him the beer anyway. You know, <laughs> he never says it, but you get the idea that he's, he's got to know that. Uh, Mitch's mom at the end, she said, okay, son, this is your one, get out a free card. And the little grin on her face as she closes his bedroom door, like, okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: yeah. I think that's another more realistic part about these movies. I feel like a lot of times, you know, I don't want to be too, like, judgmental or tilt people how to raise their kids or anything like that and I'm not saying like hey I 100% approve underage drinking you know but what I'm saying is it feels like in a lot of movies there's a pressure to make sure that the kids are punished at the end you know they go to a party and something horrible happens and I mean if we're honest with ourselves that's not like how it actually is and so sometimes I think it's like you reach people better when you make something relatable and what's relatable relatable is your parents catching you sneaking out of the house or catching you doing something wrong uh, because you're young and you want to have fun and you want to be around your friends and and they're compassionate about it and so it's kind of cool to see a movie where they you know that happens like you said that store owners like whatever i think that also speaks to the 70s i i think now you know if you did that the consequences for the store owner would be worse um we yeah. do live with TABC well, now. And we are in the Bible two. Belt, so <laughs> there's stricter laws about alcohol.
1: Two that um, the legal drinking age in Texas at that time was 18, uh, so it was probably really hard for uh, people like the, the the convenience store man to definitely be able to tell if the kids of age or not. Uh, <laughs> on a personal note, again, my birthday is in September. It's right after the school year starts, right in mid September. And September 1st, I'm not sure if it's still the way it is, but was the cutoff uh, for which year you would start school. And so I started school in the first grade when I was just a week away from being seven years old. I was always the oldest kid in my class. which came in very handy my senior year because I was among the first, if not the first seniors to turn 18 and was able to legally buy beer, and um, which made me very popular on Friday nights after football games.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. It, 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 that's, that's an interesting fact about the age too, because yeah, that, that makes even more sense why he would be so relaxed. Like, well, you're basically 18. Like maybe you're not exactly 18, but you're pretty close. I, I remember like when I waited tables and I worked at a, at a, I think I worked at a Boston's at the time. And I remember TABC coming in and scaring us constantly and like, you know, coming in undercover. Like one time they had, they watched us serve somebody that was like in their fifties and they were still like, you didn't card him. Like it was like, it's gotten so extreme. Maybe it's a little bit better in the past few years, but it's like, I feel like that has changed too, (laughs) you know, not just the age, but like all of that has become like a little bit stricter. Um, So it's kind of charming to see that in a movie, you know, (laughs) because you're like, Oh, people didn't used to be so extreme. Like, Hey, I'm all for safety. You know, definitely don't drink and drive, you know,
1: 21 oh, sure. that's fine
0: but it's like i don't know sometimes it's like it gets a little too extreme and if you're honest you know when you're young you know things happen <laughs> like you said you were popular right. with your school and,
1: and that's another direction that link later could have gone with this movie he could have had some drunk kids being in a terrible automobile accident and turning it because those things happened as well sure um, and uh but he chose not to it's just a slice of life this particular time i always tell people we did everything that was in that movie we just didn't do it all in one night
0: so. yeah you know that would be a lot of experiences in one night <laughs> so you know i think i think that makes a lot of sense um yeah and and i agree with you like he could have gone a more serious route but i think okay if we're honest like yes bad things can happen but it's not like your entire high school years were. Was- a chain of bad events I hope um, and so right. this is like a little bit more realistic it's a little more fun um, and and it's relatively harmless you know you don't really see any scenes in the movie where anyone's behaving dangerously or something like for the most part you know the, right. the quote unquote crimes that happen are very minor like boosting that alcohol and things like that
1: <laughs> right and uh, I guess we gotta go ahead and address the marijuana
0: which is, oh no! Oh kidding. no!
1: Uh, it is predominant in the film. It was predominant in a lot of our lives back then. I must say that I didn't fool around with it till after high school till I got into college, uh, and I never fooled around with it very much. But it was it was very predominant, and oh uh, and along with that the idea of going someplace to wait in line to buy concert tickets. You got to remember this is 1976. There is no internet. You went to a ticket master store or at the, at the most convenient. I remember when the Sears uh, stores at the mall, back to your mall, uh, started selling Ticketmaster tickets at their service center where you would go to pay your credit card bill back then. And, uh, Yeah, if uh, Led Zeppelin or Clapton or somebody was coming uh, through, you'd get up early in the morning and go. uh, We went to the the Sears at the mall and wait in line to, to buy our concert tickets. I saw Led Zeppelin in 1977 in Fort Worth. I think the ticket was less than $20.
0: Man, so I hadn't thought about that. So I hadn't thought about that. But you're right. Um, You know, not only would you have to stand in line to get concert tickets, but yeah, I remember like when I first got a bank account, I was at the bank all the time, like so Mm -hmm. many things that we take for granted. Now, you know, I think that's why we're getting so much more exercise because we were going to the bank, we were going to buy the tickets, we were going places and now we do it all right from our computer or phone. Um, So really good point there. Yeah, yeah, especially now. <laughs> like oh, Amazon is ever.
1: my friend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's really cool. Um, $20, wow. I wonder how much something like that would be now. I know, like, the last really big concert I went to, uh, it was, I think I saw Paul McCartney uh, at Arlington Globe Life Theater. Globe Life, what's it called?
1: Globe Life Field.
0: Low Field. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those were in the hundreds.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, I had I had tickets to see Ringo uh, up at uh, Windstar. It was supposed to be uh, next month, I think. Show got canceled. But. uh, And even that was uh, like 60 bucks a ticket, which, again, Ringo's kind of not, you know, he didn't pull down the same uh uh dollars as Paul does or the Eagles I like, forget about seeing the Eagles you know uh, they they want uh, they want all your money when they play <laughs> but back then uh, I think uh we saw the Who I think it cost about 1250 you know uh, uh concerts I saw back then never saw Aerosmith that's the big thing in the movie is is in the background that they're waiting in fact the very first song you hear is Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith. And um, uh, that's where some of the kids are going at the very end of the movie, driving on into the city so that they can buy Aerosmith tickets. Never saw Aerosmith, but uh, mm-hmm. saw uh, Zeppelin, saw The Who, saw uh, Electric Light Orchestra. Um, yeah, I'm so old, I got to see all the good bands. There you go. Uh, yeah, Let's talk about the music for just a minute. I, I don't know if, it struck the same chord with you as it did with me, but uh, I already kind of mentioned you could program a 92.5 uh, classic rock station with just a soundtrack from this and a couple of other movies. But the, the placement of it, uh, between this and Forrest Gump, as far as using popular uh, music of the time, uh, is masterful the way a Linklater or his music uh we call it music coordinator or whatever picked the right music for the scenes uh to uh not necessarily comment on what's going on but to accentuate what was going on when we see matthew mcconaughey's character walk into the the pool hall the emporium with pink and uh, 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 mitch walking behind them you know and that's typical hero out front thing and he's he's strutting and we have a bob dylan's song hurricane playing in the background and which hurricane has nothing to do with these kids a hurricane's a a protest song about a, a black man who was falsely convicted of a crime uh but just that Rhythm and that that feel of that song, and with the way he strutted in there, uh, was just so perfect for that moment. Uh, when the beer runs out at the keg party at the park, we get Tuesday's Gone with the Wind. You know, as a slower song, the night is winding down. Uh, I don't think that there's any actual incidental composed for this movie music in it i believe it's all uh popular tunes from the middle 70s early to middle 70s Hmm. free ride uh two or maybe three times in the film
0: i think that maybe um even though the characters and the plot doesn't have anything strong to say politically or socially i think that the soundtrack is intentional and the attitudes of the, the teen culture at that time is intentionally linked to the seventies and how people felt and what they were thinking and, you know, feeling at that time. So it's like the soundtrack, you know, may not have a lot to do with that specific scene, but it, it sort of tells a story about where people's heads were at in the seventies. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, oh, for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: definitely. Yeah. Uh... And again, uh, even though it's said in Texas, you don't hear any country and western on this soundtrack. I'm, I'm looking here on the IMDb. There is no composer. There is music editor and music supervisor. So, together. there is no composed music for the show. It's all popular music. I read somewhere that during the, the final fade-out as they're driving off to... Uh, go buy the concert tickets and we hear free ride again uh, that they actually wanted to use uh led zeppelin's rock and roll for that but uh uh let's see as i read it jimmy page was cool with it but uh, robert plant wasn't so they weren't able to get the rights to that so that's why we hear uh free ride more than one time on this soundtrack. And there's so many oh uh, the crew you mentioned riding around in cars there's a scene very much like American graffiti where everybody's just riding around in their cars and we hear Wars uh lowrider which <laughs> uh my students occasionally I would play music in my classroom when they were uh doing work and uh, uh whenever uh lowrider would pop up they would go uh that's the uh Uh, George Lopez theme song
0: oh my gosh
1: (laughs) yeah like it's been around 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 a lot longer than that
0: that is funny yeah yeah it's funny how people have these cultural you know touch points that now they think of it as his song that's that's really funny I've never heard that before (laughs) yeah I think you know having every single song be like you said no composer that's got to be such a challenge especially you know the the budget of this movie went largely to that but that's also kind of got to be kind of scary because it's like man we really have to edit this thing to where it fits with all these songs and there's a limited amount of songs we can use so because they're not like making up their own music for it so that's kind of a, a cool fact
1: yeah, and you know, we knowing a little bit about how movies are put together, was Hurricane actually playing on the set when McConaughey walks into that building like that, or was that did they match that music to that scene later on? You know, I, I would I would like to be able to ask Link later about uh, those kind of choices Were they made early on. Or uh, where they made as a result of what was seen on the film that, oh, this will fit there.
0: Well, I know that he sent like the cast uh, CDs um, and material for them to kind of research their characters and stuff like that. So I think on, at least at that point, they got, you know, probably a lot of the music and stuff from him. Okay. If not played not while the scene was shot, yeah, I was watching a little behind the scenes before we started recording.
1: Yeah, Maya, uh, I've got the uh, the DVD that only has it has a few deleted scenes, but it's not that. Uh, there's a Criterion one, that I understand, has a uh, treasure trove of information on it that I've I don't have and have not seen. I'll, maybe you'll get a hold of it someday. I've got the I guess the standard issue CD is main uh, special feature that it has is a few deleted scenes and uh, one of the very first deleted scene I, you see on that is I'm 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 glad they deleted it it's uh, three of the characters are in a truck, they're on their way over to the junior high to uh, harass the incoming freshman and they see a couple of uh, Asian young ladies crossing the street and one of them more of a rednecky character uh says some very disparaging things uh about them but that was something that was going on at the time as well was that Vietnamese refugees were starting to uh, come here and uh, become part of our uh, culture and uh, uh, some were not as welcoming as others and that's touched on but that scene got cut and i think riley it's just it's just an ugly scene in, in my opinion really did not fit with the overall good feelings of uh, of this film
0: yeah it feels like he made an intentional decision not to he, he was telling a different story if he was telling the story of politically what's happening in the 70s then he would have to touch on that uh but right. since he's really just telling a smaller story about these kids and their experience in high school and how they view it from their vantage point, you know, the most political it gets is the, that one guy talking about, like... Um, there's a couple scenes where they, they just kind of talk about, like, the man a little bit, but it's not yeah. very not very in-depth. And I think, you know, if he was telling a, a serious movie, if it was a serious film dealing with some heavy topics, you know, would definitely welcome that. But it would def- it would feel a little out of place, I think. Like you said, it would just feel like an angry scene that you're like, well, that's awful. Like, am I supposed to still like these characters? <laughs> like, you know? Right. So it's, like, probably better to not include that and you know save that for a story that that requires that um i i I agree with you there i i did notice that when i was watching or when i was looking for behind the scenes stuff like on youtube um that there's a lot of deleted scenes so there that must be you know you talked about the criterion collection there must be a lot of fans that like getting to see all the extra footage because i I just noticed it came up so much yeah
1: well there's just a few deleted scenes on the dvd that i have but i understand there is Uh, another edition out there that's got a lot more stuff on it so that's probably the things that you're finding on on youtube
0: yeah um man i had another quick point about uh oh another thing i wanted to touch on really quick was just that the bad guys in this movie you kind of talked about it earlier ben affleck parker posey what's unique about those characters um and link link later said this himself that they're even though they're awful like they're bullies there is they're not like they're they're likable bad guys there's some there's a little bit of charm a little bit of enthusiasm to where it's not like too dark you're not like okay this guy is like evil you're he's more just like a a jerk you know (laughs) there's something human and redeeming about them um Without them being 100% terrible. I think it just kind of suits the tone of the movie so that you're not like yeah, left feeling You got angry to remember
1: that Affleck's character, O'Banion, has just found out that he flunked and will not be graduating. And so he has a reason to be angry. Um, and uh, uh, so that's in there. As far as Parker Posey's character, she's just a little witch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: She, uh, I saw an interview and uh, she was like, I'm just bad and I like it and I enjoy it. Like <laughs> when she was talking about her character and there was just something kind of fun and funny about that. Cause it's, he's not yeah. too bad. She's just mean. Uh, but yeah, like um, the, I didn't think about that, about him not graduating. That, that does make sense. He at least has some reason to be angry. I also heard that at the end when he, or at that scene where he gets all that paint dumped on him, that right. he, the words he chose um in that scene in that moment uh the not the director but i think the producer was like you can't say that man you can't that that's worse than the f word and he's like how is it worse and he's like it just is you you just can't say that and they had to like really stick up for it and let him like curse (laughs) in that one scene it's like because if you censor him it's like come on he's in high school like you know like this is how kids talk (laughs) (laughs)
1: Right. Uh, Yeah. Uh, And speaking of that, there's a uh, a stat on the IMDb page. I'm not going to look it up right now, but the F word, uh, they've got a count of how many times it was used in the film. Uh, I think the only movie I know about where it was perhaps used more was The Commitments, but that's just how people in Ireland talk. Uh, (laughs) And uh, the word man was, there's uh, astronomical number of times the word man was used.
0: Oh yeah. I actually have the word man is said two hundred and three times in the movie. <laughs> so there you go. I also liked um that one character that keeps saying the I guess like the 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 stoner kid, he keeps saying uh what what's that phrase he keeps repeating over and over? Um, uh, he's he's like, you know what I mean? I or, know, you know,
1: as Slater, as Roy Cochran as as Slater. He's, there's the one point he gets made fun of because he tells the girls check you later man, check you later <laughs> uh but uh uh oh he always wants to ride shotgun is that it
0: he, yeah he always wants to ride shotgun and then there's that scene where he's um talking about the dollar bills and how they're green oh and, yeah um, and he says uh gosh I've, i'm gonna find this I'm going to edit this so that it's not just me looking for this forever, but um, let me see if I can find it. Like, it's kind of like, he's saying something to the effect of like, you're following me. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, But he doesn't say, you know what I'm saying? He says something like that. Let me see.
1: Do you ever look at a dollar bill, man? There's some spooky stuff going on there and it's green too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm looking for that monologue. You know, that it's used to be
1: crazy. a thing too. That that you'd look at a dollar bill and there's all this symbolism on there, and that's <laughs> yeah, what Illuminati. Get to, you know, <laughs> the 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 eye above the pyramid and all this Masonic stuff. Well, he gets into that, but it used to be all these conspiracy theories. They you all know, that uh, some Illuminata was actually running our country. And
0: well, all that. and I think some of that was probably influenced by the uh, the marijuana um you start having a lot of philosophical thoughts um i'm going to find this it's going to happen
1: why are you looking for that uh yeah go for it the other day i I mentioned this to you uh uh, there's a list of filming locations and i went to google maps and google earth and a lot of the places are still there uh, tip top burgers or top hat burgers whatever that was called is still there still looks the same uh, the houses, they had the addresses for the houses. They still look, you know, some very nice houses that the, the kids lived in, like a uh, Pickford's house. Yeah, Pickford's mom and dad were the one adult characters that weren't quite as cool as some of the other adult characters. Uh, uh, the football field is still there, but it has artificial turf now. The the high school was really a middle school, and the middle school was really an elementary school, and they're still there. Uh, but uh, and some of the places are are gone now. Uh,
0: it's that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's what he's saying. All right, so rewinding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so rewinding real quick to what I was talking about with Slater, uh, behind the scenes, uh, Richard Linklater said that, uh, you know, he wanted to work in, that's what I'm talking about, man, because he said that that was, that phrase is used so often, that's what I'm talking about, you know um and and you know said so often in the 70s for whatever reason like just punctuating your point and he was going to bring this to the actor and when he met the actor immediately he said hey i think my character would say that's what i'm talking about man that's what i'm talking about that's what i'm talking about man and he went oh my gosh we're like on the same page exactly yes you're (laughs) the right choice and i just thought that was funny because i uh, you know it just the different lingo that you use in different eras, you know, phrases that kind of get overused, and that's just kind of interesting. I just like that little point. I took a long time to, to, uh, you know, through the magic of editing, you won't notice, but I spent a long time looking for that,
1: <laughs> right?
0: But, uh, were there any other scenes that we haven't uh, touched on yet that you wanted to talk about?
1: That's what I'm <laughs> talking about. Uh, yep. Uh, well, again, I really like the theme of the of a couple of the older kids taking the younger kids under their wing. Uh, I like the uh, uh, Don's character, Sasha Jensen, uh, who was a stunt guy before he did this movie, and it didn't do a whole lot of other acting roles. But near the end, they're at, at the football field. And uh, he gives this nice speech. the camera's on Jason London as pink and a nice uh probably a steady cam shot as the camera kind of moves around him and but the, in the background, we hear Don saying, you know uh this little monologue about uh, how he wanted it let's see. And here it is right here. Well, all I'm saying is that I want to look back and say that I did the best I could while I was stuck in this place, had as much fun as I could while I was stuck in this place, played as hard as I could while I was stuck in this place, etc., etc. Uh, and uh, I kind of like that because it's almost like he realizes that in another year, they're going incoming seniors, the other years, that's going to be gone. And, how many people have we known that their senior year in high school, sadly enough, may be the best time of their entire lives?
0: Uh, yeah, there's definitely, definitely like an innocence and nostalgia to that time in your life. You know, I mean, it's it's that weird in between, right, where you're not quite an adult yet. Uh, you're sort of a free agent, a little bit freer from your parents than you were as a kid. And, you know, even if it's a rough time, there's some fun stuff about it that you're never going to relive again. And you don't really realize that while it's happening. So to have that self-awareness of like, hey, this is like, you know, the maybe the last time I'm going to see all these people, the last time I'm going to do all this stuff. And, I, and there, there's things about that I need to really enjoy, even though I'm stuck here, even though there's things limiting me. Um, I just want to do the best I can and have the most fun that I can it, during this time like I think I mean I certainly didn't have that level of self-awareness in high school so I, I like that too
1: yeah and one of the funniest scenes was when some of the guys or the, the young men are riding around and uh, for a prank they're gathering up trash cans and throwing them against the mailboxes and uh, there's a bowling ball in the car, and the upperclassman uh, dare the freshman to chunk the bowling ball out of the car. Uh, and I think their intention was to hit another mailbox, and he misses and hits something else. And then, and this is like dead silence for fifteen twenty seconds, and then they just all hysterically start laughing. Uh, <laughs> Is you got to see it to, to to just get that moment, but it's it's a cool moment, cool editing job, and that just the exact right amount of seconds pass before the tension is broken with the laughter and uh, just a cool piece of, of filmmaking there where when something totally unexpected happens uh, from what has been established is about to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, there's another there's another kind of scene like that too where um those two younger kids are walking around and they're drinking and then one of them just ruins everything by breaking the the beer bottle and then they have to run. I thought that part was kind of funny too.
1: <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah, there's some some three of the freshmen uh, uh Two of them had escaped the hazing. One of them got hazed. But, the, again, that's showing how cool the seniors were about it. At the same time, they, after they busted the kids' butt, they gave them a beer. And so these three kids are sharing that beer. And then uh, one of them throws the bottle in the air, and it comes crashing down onto the pavement, and they have to scatter once again.
0: You have just some good old harmless fun. <laughs> well um i guess uh are you ready for the last two couple of questions then okay okay so um i always ask my guests these last two questions i know we've talked about it this whole time when we're chatting about the movie about why we love it but if you had to summarize it why do you think you've seen this movie so many times
1: um it's a cool movie it's because of the soundtrack and and again because i seen it so many times I can put it on and be doing something else and it be just a nice comfortable thing to have playing in the background or I can sit down and watch it and just enjoy it for its nostalgia again because it takes me back to my high school days or uh, the third aspect of it is that it is indeed so well made I can notice little things like how the bowling ball scene was edited to get the effect that it does or how the music uh, matches up with what's going on in there. So you can watch this film on any level that you want to, it can be classic rock station playing in the background, or it can be a time capsule of a time in, 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 in in my life anyway, or, uh, uh, but it's also a very nice piece of filmmaking. Uh, it, if you want to get oh uh, real uh, critical about it, uh, it follows Shakespeare's unity of time thing, and that the whole thing is set within just a few hours during uh, late one day and, and that night, going into the next morning. Uh, unlike some of the other teen films that, uh, uh, that were made during this time like fast time you know which covers a whole year in the kid's life it's it's a a time capsule and uh, it's very comfortable uh i like to watch it and say okay this is like my friend you know one character is like my friend joe bob or this guy's this girl's like my friend sally sue or, or or whomever and just enjoy that nostalgia uh so yeah it works on several levels you can watch it as a as a fine piece of of filmmaking or you can it can be a, a comfort blanket for you.
0: Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. I think that uh, this is kind of one of those movies, kind of like we talked about Empire Records recently. We've talked about high fidelity and the movie once. Uh, there's there's a lot of movies that really the soundtrack is a huge part of them. Mm -hmm. uh and and in some ways you know for you personally it's a soundtrack of your life (laughs) your life in that time and uh you know it does such a good job of portraying that and i think for me personally um i really appreciate that it's like american graffiti and i've heard people say before you know like they'll see american graffiti and that they're kind of disappointed like they're like well nothing happened and you know like i was kind of bored and i was like yeah, it, you know, I think you either really like that kind of movie or you don't. Right. Um, I loved it the first time I from the first time I saw it and I've seen it several times since I think I own it. Um, but yeah, I, I I, really enjoy revisiting it. So I, I don't think I made that connection that this was so similar to that um, until you told me. And then when I was watching it, I was like, yeah, I, I can I can see myself revisiting this because I wish there was more movies like this where it just truly feels like you got inserted into somebody's good night, you know, and there's something really fun about that and, and something so different from other teen movies about it. So yeah, I, all, all those things. And, and, and all the things you said too about, it's a great piece of filmmaking. Um, and so many stars were made through this movie <laughs> and so many careers. And it's just fun seeing all those people at their start. So that too. Um, right. I guess that leads into my next question. How would you pitch this movie to someone that hasn't seen it before?
1: <laughs> well, uh, the other day when I was rolling it, my granddaughter, twelve was 12 years old, was here. I said, hey, you want to see what it was like when Papa was in high school? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how, pretty much how I have pitched it. Hey, uh, uh, this movie got it right. You want to see what it was like or what my life was like in the middle 70s. Watch this movie. Watch the first couple of years of that 70s show. And you've got a pretty good idea of what life was like back then. Uh, and it's just fun. Uh, there, again, there's no high moral ground here. Uh, you don't have like in fast times, you don't have somebody going off to make a very hard moral decision i won't get into what that is about a choice that she's made uh you don't have any of that in this and uh and it's only an hour and 40 minutes long so it's not like it's a major investment in time uh there's not a whole lot to get into deep thought about there is a couple little philosophical discussions in it you know some of the more brainy kids start talking about, you know, where do they fit in, you know, that the sixties were great, but the seventies obviously sucks. So maybe the eighties will be wonderful. Uh, uh, but again, it's, it's just a time capsule. It's just what it was really like. It was really Linklater Basie's character. In fact, he got sued. (laughs) Did you know this? No, he got sued by some of his former classmates, uh, claiming that uh, he was uh, he used their likenesses and in some cases their thinly disguised names uh, to uh, create some of these <coughs> characters, and they didn't get any compensation anyway. As I understand it, the case got thrown out because it it was uh, past the uh, statute of limitations. Uh, but, uh, but it, you know, he was the typical seventies teenager, as was I, and as was uh, all my classmates. We This is so sad. This would have been our 45th class year class reunion. And because of what's going on now, we're not able to have it this year. And, uh, but, uh, uh so this is kind of like a class reunion for me in a way to be able to watch this movie oh glad you gave me an excuse to dig it out of my dvd pile
0: oh oh that's good i'm glad that you got to relive some of it i know all of us are having to put all these events on hold that we we're really looking forward to this year it's really tough hopefully you guys can have a makeup next year uh i love your pitch though um I, I think, yeah, you know, if, if you're into this kind of slice of life and uh, time capsule, I, I love that, um, of the 70s, I don't think we get to see a whole lot. Like, like I said, I feel like we see a lot of, like, you know, Saturday Night Fever kind of stuff, so it's right. kind of nice to see something like this. I think the closest thing, uh, I think David Wang in the group was talking about, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which Tarantino was very influenced by this movie. Um, and so you can see some of that in there but you, you just don't see it portrayed very often and and i think if you like some you know some of those other movies like that you might like this as well so yeah. a great thing to revisit um yeah i've heard well, that, that
1: tarantino was influenced by this movie uh, too so uh, yeah but again there's no no blood guts gore there's no drunken car accidents. It's just kids being kids in 1976, and and that's all it is. You know, and uh, and that's in 1975, 76. When that was, was me? That's all we wanted uh, was just uh, just to be kids, to have a good time. You know, we had, now had the freedom to buy our own beer and party and. And we weren't really thinking, uh, which came also soon after, about marrying, settling down, raising kids, all that. That That's in the future. And I guess I guess that's it for me. This was in a time when all that dad responsibility, when, don't get me wrong, I love being a father and I love being a grandfather. Uh, but this was before all that, when I could just be a kid and have fun and think about deeper meanings or not you know and uh it was we were just being as i said earlier
0: yeah i I think some of the best movies let us you know revisit nostalgic times like that like you said i mean it, it fills you with a lot of good feelings and it's fun to reminisce about before all the responsibilities we have today even if we enjoy them um but yeah, thank you so much for coming back, John. I really appreciate having you. Um, I know you love a ton of movies, so you're definitely going to have to come back. And we're going to have to do this again.
1: Oh, I, w- I would love to. But I know you've got a lot of other friends who also have movies they love. So I'll just wait my turn. And, um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, next time let's make it a baseball movie.
0: I'm down with that. That's awesome. Yes. All right, well. Thanks so much.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me.